are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. I'm your host, Holly Shaw, hypnotherapist, best-selling author, and creativity coach, helping you to find your edge. When you're on stage or you're presenting your work to the world, you are directing people's attention. Whether you realize that or not, you are directing the flow of energy and and of people's attention towards you. But if only that job of managing people's attention ended after you got off stage. But it doesn't always really. It doesn't always really end. The more successful you are at your job, in fact, the more you're going to find yourself managing other people's attention off stage when you're not performing. And this can and does lead to unwanted attention in the form of sexual harassment or just unwanted intimacy with fans, um, the competitive attention of haters, trolls, or people who are jealous or who just misunderstand your light and are just trying to shut you down. So how? How are you supposed to, how do you manage that energy? That energy that you get when you're not prepared for it, when you're not in the role of performer. So, you know, as someone who's worked closely with performers and artists and influencers, this particular thing is always a topic on my mind. But in all honesty, this came to the forefront recently when one of my closest friends had an encounter after we'd been out dancing And that's a situation I go into more detail about in this show. And so after that happened, I put together a a Facebook Live event talking about how to deal with unwanted attention offstage. And through that is how I met today's guest, Harmony Gates. So Harmony Gates is a somatic empath, a spiritual pioneer, and a cult survivor. She's been active in the dance community since 1996. She's a certified Anat Banyal method practitioner. She practices in the Bay Area as a radical aliveness guide, a neuro movement therapist, contact improv instructor, liquid contact instructor, and a deep relational contact interactive body worker. Suffice to say, this woman has many tools in her toolbox uh, as a healer, as a dancer, as a person just in community in general. Um, She has been a profound impact in those communities that she is a part of. And the more I corresponded with Harmony, the more that I knew that she'd be a great addition to this conversation of how to deal with unwanted attention. And I honestly think this interview that you're about to hear may have been one of the best conversations on this podcast so far. That's saying a lot because I've had some great guests on this show and I know I keep saying this is the best. No, this is the best. But no, this was an important conversation, really, though. It's an important conversation because... We went to some really profound places talking about how to feel safe, how to manage that attention, and just ideas for ways that you can deflect, communicate, and how together we are all constructing you, me, everyone, we're all reconstructing the world that we want to live in in a post-Me Too explosion. There's a lot of healing. There's a lot of... um, 
you know, explosive healing going on right now. And but what's the way forward? You know, what's the solution going to be, people? What are we what are we creating next? And I feel like we started to touch on that. We started to really open up that door and explore that. That was really exciting. For me, this was a particularly challenging conversation because uh, it gave me insight into something that happened to me over five fucking years ago. I had a, a situation that happened to me. I, like many of you, experienced unwanted advances. This was not the first time, but it was a particularly explosive time. And, um, and it's really changed the direction of my life. It changed uh, a lot of my, it ruined friendships. It sort of uh, put me outside of community. We talk more about that. Um, And it changed the direction of my life. All is well now, but through this conversation with Harmony, I feel like I finally got some closure on some of those pieces. She's amazing. So here is that full conversation with Harmony Gates. So you reached out to me and were interested in this topic. Can you tell me why? Yeah, because exactly. I was about to break in there. So that unwanted attention, it seems like I see this a lot on the dance floor. And I've been like a mediator and sort of a person talking about consent. Like when people bring their energy and how are they bringing it? And did you ask for it? Or did they like push you too much and do they respond to you not wanting it and and how do we do that and I think my experience um, is that often what happens is when people really get into their juice and they're really having their authentic like embodied like people call it sexy I just call it alive aliveness yeah that it attracts people that you know people like whoa I want some of that and they come mm-hmm. right in and um I've done that probably in the past, in the old days, where I'd be like, not so much that I wanted it, but I would come in like, yeah, let's play. But they might not be ready for that. They were having a solo thing, and yeah. I was attracted, right? <laughs> and I'm, So I've learned to like, from afar, sort of get uh, consent, you know, mm-hmm. from the person. Make a little eye contact before I come in. Even if I want to say, mm-hmm. I just want to celebrate you. I just want to give you my attention so you can really enjoy yourself even more, right? right, right but right. even that can shut people down if it's not yeah. something they're going like, okay, okay, yeah, I, I want that, Yeah, right? Yeah. I like that you just brought up that perspective because... I feel like we can often easily slide into the dichotomy of predator and victim, you know, and what you just said is like, I've been the person that might have given unwanted attention at times too. Like, and, and I'm sure you wouldn't label that as predatory behavior in that instance, but it's like, I feel like we all have, you know, that, that something about that just, just sort of makes me feel more comfy about this whole idea of, um, Managing it. It just feels more humane and more loving and more well rounded to be able to see that from more perspectives than just the two black and white. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm there, sense. No, it makes sense. There's gray areas. And there's, I think what we do when we feel uncomfortable, 
Mm-hmm. Our first instinct is to try to find why and look outside ourselves. This that made me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? And that's to blame. And I want to push that thing away. I want to, you know, resist that. And yeah. um, recently, I came up with this. I don't know if it's called aphorism, but it was like one of those like. I was trying to. I was just trying to feel like what when I'm when I'm shut down like that. What am I doing? I'm really just resisting yeah. what is. I'm like I don't like this. It shouldn't be. This is wrong, you know. And usually I'm like pushing it away or I'm wrong for feeling it. One or the other, right? right. And I was like, wait, what's what could I do instead? Hmm. And I was like, what about? And it came like an insight or an intuition. Like, what about receptivity? Which seems like the opposite thing you want to do, right? I don't want to take in this bad energy, but it's like, what if I soften and feel myself feeling this and and just sort of like, whoa, I'm feeling like I don't, I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling, you know, shut down right now. I'm feeling, and then my attention is on myself. Mm. Giving attention to myself holding space for myself and all of a sudden the part of me that got really contracted starts to open and go oh what's that about oh i need more space oh that it feels you know like instead of you're crowding my space and you mm-hmm. shouldn't do that i'm like oh i need to take more space how can i do that or how mm-hmm. can i let this person know i'd like more space so taking responsibility for your needs as opposed yeah. to pointing the finger and blaming yeah love that who would th- like that seems so <laughs> counterintuitive to become more receptive Right. You know, we want to like right. close off. Right. We want to block them. Yeah. Or report them. Exactly. Or you know, public get shame thing, them. Put them in jail and just never you know, look yeah. at them again because, you know. Yeah. But instead you soften. Yeah. Soften. And I think our culture teaches us to otherize, you know, ourselves and other people. Yes. Right. So, like, and and we're and we're so in that mix. We don't even realize it's a cultural conditioning. We just think that's mm-hmm. the way it is, right? I love this. One of my spiritual teachers talks about in India, if a little child bumps into a table and gets hurt, the parents go, "Bad table, bad table." <laughs> Like, really, you know? But that's kind of how we're taught, you know? If you're feeling uncomfortable, figure out, you know, who did it. Is that in humor? Is that to point out the... No, that's for serious. Oh, what? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, and it's just this, like, outrageous sort of example at the level of, like, at two years old, you're like, yeah, it should all go, you know, like, the table must have been... Life should yield to me. Right, always, right? And I have no responsibility for what life's, what's coming to me, you know? Wow. That's fascinating. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. So, tell me about a time when you, because you explained this to me in an email, the time that you, like, Mm. uh, experienced attracting unwanted attention, or no, I'm sorry, Yes, unwanted attention. I think you told me about an instance where someone was challenged by your yeah <laughs> by your shining your light. By my shining. I was at a I was a, visiting a town that I hadn't been in, and it's like I was in a new environment. I'd been with this um, group that gets together for improvisational music making and singing, nice. and I had no idea really what the you know what's the protocol right mm-hmm. so i approached it the first time kind of gradually and sort of you know i was small and then i got a little bigger and there was you know a welcome and i got a little bigger and there's a little more welcome and i got a little bigger and there's a little more welcome I'm like oh these are my people they like me you know as yeah. i am like yeah so um feeling 
It was a great feeling. And so the next week I went to the same event at a different location at somebody's house. And some of the same people were there. It was much smaller. But this one woman who I didn't really, I thought at the first time I had felt her kind of be a little standoffish and then sort of like join me in a singing. Like, okay, let's, so I thought, you know, she's in on it you know she's yeah. she's, she's part of you know she's, she's part, part of, of this she's part of it and and this time though um and one of the things i love to do actually people read me wrong a lot i think because of their projections but i like to sound mm. like in a dance environment or whatever and i like yeah. to make sound but it's not like look at me i have a beautiful voice it's more like I do it because it feels congruent, and what I notice happens is it kind of frees other people to free their voice, and they'll come in, and they'll harmonize, or they'll just, like, people that wouldn't normally do that will start to do that. Yeah, and, one more thing. Right. Play with. Yeah. And it feels really supportive and connecting for me, and also like, oh, I'm so glad I went for it, because other people then went for it. Yeah. So I was starting to do that at this mm-hmm. second event, and... Uh, already a woman came in and I didn't know her and she kind of came up and she started sounding with me and I could feel like yeah here it is again you know this is like a really receptive group to this kind of mutual supportive energy and then there was a little pause and I can feel myself getting tense even thinking about what came next right my chest feels like oh so this woman who was sitting and placed herself kind of in the front and center of maybe what we would be mm-hmm. calling in this room said something like uh, I don't like change mm. and I was like and then she says are you, are you just visiting or are you here permanently oh right at you know me and I was like whoa whoa I said uh I'm visiting but thinking of moving here and she kind of went off in this rant about well I, I'm really attached to things the way I are and I don't like differences and I you know and you know I I could understand even in that moment mm-hmm. that she felt threatened by me mm-hmm. in a way I hadn't put it all together I realized later she wanted to be the one that people followed Right, Aww. she wanted to be the one that could like start the drum beat and get everybody yeah. going, and here I was, sort of usurping her role because uh, I was doing, I you know, my version of that. But I remember in the moment, and this I've done this before. I went instead of really feeling my feelings, I felt them, but then I went to my head and I went like, uh, "Oh, how can I placate her?" That's my strategy right away. I don't want there to be tension in the room. I'm a peacemaker, yeah. and I said. Well, I could tone myself down, or I'll tone myself down. And she just kind of like... And and that seemed okay in the moment mm-hmm. until I realized as the event progressed, now I'm afraid to do anything. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, I just shut myself down for her. Because you just volunteered that yeah. you would do that. Yeah, here, I'll be the sacrifice, you know. Wow. And uh, I, even with the room, I remember when I did it and I said that, a couple people in the room said... Wow, you don't really, you don't usually see that kind of reaction. We, we expected you to like be, you know, fighting or defending yourself or something yeah. like that. And and I read that as like the group's approval. Like, wow, that was a big thing that you did. Oh. I took it in a positive way, and I think it was meant that way. Uh-huh. And but I ended up leaving early 
because I just couldn't, you know, oh, she came over one other time and kind of lectured me about somebody and someone else about, you know, something going on. Like we were talking too loud. Mm. And, um, and then in the end, and I'm not trying to make her wrong because I understand what she needed. She didn't know how to say it. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't know how to, at that moment, I didn't have the presence to say, oh, okay, well, you know, dialogue with her, you know, are you feeling, you know, whatever, are you feeling like you want to lead more and maybe I could back off some and we could take turns or, you know, I could have like done something like that. Beautiful. Yeah. But in the time I just went into sort of shock and freeze and fawn, you know, there's fight, flight, freeze and fawn and Mm -hmm. fawn's where you go, love me, please love me. I'll do anything. Right. So, uh, and then I found out later that she had, she's like, you know, she's done this kind of thing Mm -hmm. in the group before. So it wasn't even personal. Of course. You know, yeah. But, uh, but it was hard, and it did take me leaving the whole situation before mm-hmm. I could get calm enough mm. to go. Wow, you know, and I, I knew I had to leave when I, you know, I could feel mm-hmm. that I had shut myself down, but I, I still didn't get access to what would have been, you know, a more expansive, more sort of solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, I, I think there's there's so much there, right? Like the competition between you two. It's, it was almost like a bullying scenario where she just rah, 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 got mm. in your face. And, you know, it was like either you, you know, you, yeah, you have some choices there. But like most of us are going to default yeah. when we are in the face of something like that. We're going to default to whatever our default is. Right, maybe it's right, anger. Maybe right, it's collapse. Maybe right. what do we do in that? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've had similar experiences. I hadn't really thought until you brought it up, but until you mentioned, um, you know, talking too loud. I I used to go to these pagan gatherings like back in the day, mm-hmm. and um, the, one of them I remember like was very. I was used to them being kind of loose and free and creative, and everybody's bringing their creative energy, so it becomes magical because it's spontaneous. And there's definitely like a culture and sort of. Uh, what a, etiquette, you know, mm-hmm. and an understanding mm-hmm. of the container that we're all creating. But this particular one was the container what felt very tight to me. It felt very constrained. And I remember being at the circle one night and I just felt very like it, it was trying to, you know, there was one guy who was trying to control how magical it was and what time we started and how it worked and who was doing what, you know, and it just, it didn't feel magical to me at all because right. he kind of sucked the life out. He made it about him right. instead of about all of us. Yeah. And I remember feeling really frustrated because it's like I couldn't, I couldn't get there. I was dancing and I couldn't get there and I couldn't have the experience I was used to having, Mm -hmm. which is almost like not being able to orgasm. Like that frustration. frustration, you know? And I remember then like crying and then something broke in me and I just was laughing and he comes over and just was like, shh, this is sacred space. You're being too big. You're doing it wrong. And I thought, not to me, it's not. And what do you mean by sacred anyway? Yeah. Right? Who made you the sacred sheriff? Laughter is sacred to me. Yeah. Fun is sacred Mm. to me. You know? And now that I've, it's like, wow, that really has been my brand all (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've been consistent on that, you know. Good for you. Consistent with that ever since. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And so, talking about conditioning, um, 
you know, a lot of these things, I think these patterns sort of happen early on and then we, we live them out. And, and, um, you mentioned that you grew up in a household that challenged you and sort of shut you down. I mean, well, I think, you know, we, we react different ways, but I do think there is, um, I could take it back just a step. I think there, you know, attention is an interesting, uh, need. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think when we're infants, we really do need an adult's gaze, at least, to reflect us. Because we don't even know what the hell the world is. And yeah. it's sort of like, oh, there's eyes, there's expressions, there's, you know, to kind of like understand what milieu we're in. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, uh, we mature and realize, oh, we get to be the center of our own attention. We can give attention to ourselves. We don't have to keep being hungry from uh, for other people or mm-hmm. get their permission. So, or, or just you know, I'm I, I can't fall in love unless you love me too, right? This kind right, of stuff right, that we do. Right. But why, um, why are you talking about me, huh? <laughs> Um, all I remember, I mean, I've had to sort of reconstruct from an adult, theoretical, ideological, what do other people say, point of view, what happened. Mm-hmm. But I know, and from, you know, interviewing my dad, my mom divorced him when I was two, and then my second dad when I was 13. But she, I, I would say now, from the kind of language I have, that... Mm-hmm. Um, she never got attention as a child, for one. Mm-hmm. I know why. She was, like, shuttled around for two years when she was two years old because her mom had an accident and was in the hospital oh. and her dad was alcoholic and we're Irish and you could just, like, stack that up to the ceiling. But So she uh, was a storyteller and a big personality. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I know that she was an entertainer, and that's what gave her juice. But she couldn't really do intimacy. Mm. So if she had a group of a fa- you know people listening. She was great. But then, like my dad would get in the car with her, she would have a headache, take me home. You know, the minute there was like this option for being real with somebody, mm. and I grew up needing that realness and not finding it yeah. with her at all. In fact, I think what happened was. If I did try to say, like, hey, I need your attention or watch me, that that would threaten her being the center. And I would, what little kind of attention or love I got was shut off when I, you know, got big and shined. Mm. So, and she was a rageaholic too. So it was Mm -hmm. really, my strategy, I guess, was to be very invisible and very small and not need anything and not Mm -hmm. need attention and just like go in. And Mm -hmm. so I, I didn't. I, I I felt like I didn't exist in a lot of ways. Mm. It really wasn't until my 30s where I was like, you know, I have no clue. And I should have a clue, you know? Yeah. Like, where do people get their clues? I yeah. actually, it's a whole other interview, but I joined a religious cult because I was like, I have no idea. I don't know who I am, what I'm supposed to be, where it feels good, where it doesn't, what I should do. They'll tell me I'm joining. Wow. Yeah. Because you were just looking so hard for that, seeking that out. Yeah. It was so clear. Yeah. And I thought, I'll feel community. I'll feel connected. Mm-hmm. It'll give me, a you know, like a focus for my life. They're telling me I'm important. And I suffered more probably in my life in the three years I was in that cult than I 
ever did before or after. Yeah. It was so isolating. And, wow. You know, um, and when I left, finally, they sort of, I finally had this little dark night of the soul experience. Yeah. And I started to grow a bit of a spine and go, hey, I'm entitled to want things, you know, and I'm going to ask for them a little bit, right? And they said, oh, no, you don't get to ask for anything here. We don't want you so close to the organization. So out I went, and it was probably, I don't know how much later, because I had to sort of peel the layers of the stuff off that I bought into to belong. And then I remember thinking, sitting kind of quietly one day and thinking, so what what was that all about, right? What what is what do I know now that I didn't if anything? And I was like, well, I really I really didn't know how and I still don't really know how to make choices, but I do know that putting that responsibility in someone else's hands and asking them to do it for me, that's not the way. Mm-hmm. That isn't it. So mm-hmm. I think that was the beginning of taking responsibility for my life, even though it was a disaster right then. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little better than it had been, you know, because I was out, but I was still like... And quite frankly, you asked me something about dance and movement, and that's when when I started to actually connect back into my emotions through my body Mm. and integrate the two, because I had been just... I didn't even know I had anger until I started... Using my body like to chop wood kind of motions and felt it and was like, yeah. ah, this, oh, wow, ah, this is great. Get it. Oh, wow, yeah. Like, yeah. And and that was, and then some dancing and some stuff that, yeah. that, that's my, that's my, sort of my key and my specialty is to try to help connect people back into their bodies and to mm-hmm. their real lived experience instead of all these head trips and cultural overlays and all these things that we should be and where mm-hmm. our shame comes from. And just like, whoa, this is me right now. This is okay. I am this. Yeah. Who am I? This. Okay. This is okay. <sighs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. And as long as we're like right here, like if you were to, because I know so many artists that I work with have like this, this experience of like being invisible, being seen, wanting to hide, wanting to entertain, you know, it's like this, you wouldn't expect that an entertainer would have this sort of feeling of unsafety of being seen by millions and yet they do and yet they crave it. And I think it's almost like a soul's healing that they're, they're working out by being in front of people. In fact, like, um, I'm just thinking of Marilyn Monroe. I was just reading something about her where she would, she'd be like just walking around and no one would notice her and she said to who's i'm not sure who she was with but she said to someone she was with um oh do you want me to turn her on meaning marilyn monroe Mm. do you want me to become her oh and then she just like Mm. became her and all of a sudden people started flocking around and taking pictures but she knew how to hide Uh uh-huh and she knew how to turn it on and how to shine and i i thought that was so interesting and i think um, so while, as long as we're talking about the body and as long as like we know that, that anyone who's listening to this, whether they've experienced trauma, whether they simply know that, that sensation of shining and having people wanting to shut them down, um, there's just so many ways into this conversation. How do you, how do you do that? How do you start becoming more present in your body, turning off that, that the, all the voices in your head? Well, 
This is what I was trying to say, and 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 it's it, it needs to be experienced, I think, to be sure. understood. And, and we all have this experience when you get into the zone, something physically that you're doing, and you're no longer self conscious, mm-hmm. you're no longer needy, you're just like ah, you're alive, you know. Yeah. And there isn't a lot of noise besides that. And so for me, it's it's helping. Uh, well, for my personal practice is dance yeah. because uh, it's only one of many. Actually, I, I do some movement practices and some other things the essence is taking that attention that's very mental and disconnected i mean we can imagine or fear or remember all kinds of stuff right yeah but i love this quote i i my one of my favorite quotes about movement is the body knows only the present moment Oof. That's good. So when I put my attention into my body, and it doesn't have to be all, but initially, if I'm like all here scattered in my head and fear and anxious or, you know, blah, 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 all, the, all the monkey mind stuff that's going yeah. on, if I can take a breath and turn my attention inward mm. into my organism, like it can be my breath, it can be how I'm balancing, it can be like noticing how my arm extends and being the arm extending, like being in then that has this way of bringing me right into the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, in my practice, if I get way far out, then I like I actually lay on the floor on my back and mm-hmm. feel my weight. Like, mm-hmm. And then I start to slowly move, and I realize like at the beginning, I could easily just like go right back into my head. It's really easy. It's so sure. you know seductive, right? We're on this thing and trying to figure something out or trying to right. But if I go no, I'm gonna give it five minutes and what's where's my body again and what's happening and let it. Then I get back into the moment and my body and my nervous system calms, and then I can breathe and then I can just be in this receptive state and just like be in the movement. And the movement can be almost maybe only 10 or 25 percent of my attention and then the rest of me is open to kind of intuitive information about whatever was just happening you know and what i need and stuff beautiful yeah i'm watching you and listeners you can't see her (laughs) harmony you're so gorgeously embodied right now i'm like kicking myself that i don't have like a camera set up too you know because you're just watching you explain this and using your arms and your body is like so i'm I'm getting so much more but i'm sure they but can't you 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 can feel it when you watch me right isn't that the case too it's almost like when i fully embody you know and i'm not even concerned about you at all right I was yeah. in my own little world of that. Your yeah. body goes, oh, yeah, and I, starts to embody yourself, right? And train with you. You talk about that That's all the exactly. time, entrainment. I love that. Exactly. Yeah, I'm just watching you, and I'm like in a trance with yeah. you all of a sudden. That's Marilyn. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> because you're the most dominant. You're in that moment the most... Mm. It's almost a shame to say the most powerful person in the room. But Maybe I'm radiating the, right. the most, you know? Right. You're tapped in. Yeah. For sure. Tapped in right. and shining. So it's grounded yeah. and it's radiating. And I really yeah. I have this whole other topic about whether we're more into the radiating or more into the receptivity mm. of what, you know? And and so is it is the mode primary? And it might be cycling. When it's just me, it's cycling. Yeah. When it's me and you, it's cycling this way, right? I, feel I might like radiate, I feel you right respond, now. and then you radiate, yeah. respond, and this happens, right? Yeah. So, so that's another whole area is to shift, uh, you know, learning how to shift and take turns if it's mm. like this to radiate and respond, right? And yeah. just do this flow and yeah. 
and then keep this one going while we're doing that one. All you right. can't see me on the radio, but but but, but I'm but I'm doing like cycling. a circle inside myself, yeah. and then another one that's at yeah. the same time cycling between me and Holly. And yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a practice I teach called the water mill, and it's it's getting putting your attention out and then out and in and out and in and out and, and creating that wheel, yeah, so to speak. Which yeah. I think there's many practices. Like it's not you know unique, but th- yeah, it's not th- that unique. But like I put a name on it. But it's universal you know? <laughs> it's because universal. obviously if we can all come right. up with it in different ways, there's something yes, to it, right? Exactly, exactly. So, um, so you just mentioned something that was of interest to me. So I was thinking as you were speaking. At first, I was thinking when you tune in, sort of like the and you tapped in into your full embodiment and you were radiating. At first, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like there's that feeling of like, I know how to do that, too. And it reminds me and it gives me an invitation to do that. And I think it's helpful for performers to hear that and remember that um, hmm. I, I sometimes feel like we have this guilty, like we have a, like it's a, like a guilty pleasure. Like, ah, all the attention is on me. And, and, and at first it feels great. But then there's a part of us that's like you're taking too much attention like you you know you're you shouldn't be gathering all the attention like who are you and share then, it uh, yeah, yeah share it uh but i think just being that resonates with people and reminds them they can do it and that they probably are doing it until they until they start to worry about it actually mm. you know mm-hmm. and and i think i can feel the difference when i get self-conscious like oh look at me i'm big taking up space ha 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 <laughs> i've already lost whatever i had before i started thinking that in terms of attractiveness to the audience mm-hmm. right that's when you look at someone and go eh jerk them off the stage right yeah yeah, yeah totally <laughs> we can feel it so when i think it's a i think actually that radiating like that is generous it's a very yeah. generous thing yeah. and like you said it does actually i think if we acknowledge that we're inviting the audience you know to receive us and to send mm-hmm. their energy back and create this cycle mm-hmm. they're as important as we are in what's happening totally. so like it's like this guy uh, lee glickston does something called speaking circles and he talks about uh, relational presence is his term oh and he talks about people that have he has this whole kind of his own um wounded healer journey path of not being able to speak in public and and then helping people do that Mm -hmm. and he talks about the audience being this um soft sort of loving audience that if you connect with the audience and you uh let them i think if i can speak him correctly i'm now i'm doubting what i'm thinking what i'm saying you can erase it (laughs) but it's like you you as the audience you give this unconditional lovingness to the person standing there right Mm -hmm. and so what we do is we connect to that unconditional lovingness that's in the audience right Mm. and and then it's it's that it's that that piece i talked about going from being like terrified of the audience to, to being to love that kind of attention mm. and, and feel it as love because we pause and we let their love come in. That's where we start mm-hmm. and then we give. And do, would you say like a certain amount of that is like assuming, giving them the benefit of the doubt? And isn't that how we create is we intend something and it manifests. <laughs> all the chills, all the chills. 
thrill bumps, thrill bumps. Right? Yes, I love it. So I want to bring this back and ground it a little bit. In um, Someone on Facebook commented as they watched. It was Lorena Lobita. I, I hope that's how she... I think I know who you mean. the world. Which is interesting. But that's her Facebook name. But she mentioned... I know her from Tamalpa. I know she does like work in Latin America with people. Um... I wish I knew more in this present moment. I can always fill in later. But she mentioned that, I thought this was profound, that that sometimes that that outside, like if we're going back to, oh, I'm shining, and then somebody comes in and sort of like encroaches on my space and it feels really uh, harassy or weird. She was saying, you know, we don't, we're not taught in this culture how to behold beauty, how to be a witness, how to hold space for that radiating, that beauty, that um, unconditional tuning in. We did, we don't know how to. Right. We're not appreciate. taught. We're not. Taught we're not taught to appreciate. To appreciate. We're taught to objectify, to right. grab, to right. um, to Either pillage, to, to conquer. That's right. To extract it. You know. Yeah. To own it. Yeah. Uh, or to feel threatened by it. It's yeah. a competition. If you get to be big, that yeah. means I don't. Because it's like this idea of shortage or only so much pie to go around. Right. Yeah. And if you take a piece, then that's one less for me. Yeah. So so I think that's... I mentioned that in my first email to you, this kind of jealousy. Yeah, There's two, those two things. One is like, oh... Well, I can't, you know, I can't, like, acknowledge your beauty because, you know, then I won't be as beautiful somehow. And that is probably a feeling of I'm not beautiful, so how can I let you be beautiful, right? That's a real piece to pay attention to, right? It's like we'd see this with children. All of a sudden, little kids, you know, our children start to want stuff and we're like, you can't have it. And it's like, I never got the habit. You can't have it either. And if Mm -hmm. I let you have it, I'd have to admit I'm not letting myself have it. And it becomes, you know, paradigm shifting. Wow. If we say yes to somebody else's beauty. Wow. So how do we, I feel like we just touched on like the key problem of the world. This is so us, true. Harmony and Holly <laughs> figuring it all out. Bringing world peace for everyone. Basically, in this room, yeah. in this office, mm. in Oakland, California, <laughs> happening right state. now. We're solving <laughs> everything. <laughs> no, but why not ask the question of like, how then, how then do you teach that perpetrator, perpetrator, yeah. how do you teach that person in that moment, or do you even try? So teach is an interesting wit- witness word. Witness or behold, or or how can you how can you expect it from them? Right, we're talking about. Well, there you go. If you expect it from them, then you're going to be really impinged when they don't give it to you. You're going to mm. be upset and make them wrong. So part of it is, wow, why would we even expect that if we know we're living in this culture? That has mm-hmm. taught no one. Mm-hmm. And and so for those of us that know we're in this culture and, and know it hasn't really helped anybody feel good and proud about themselves, mm-hmm. then we actually have more responsibility in the moment mm-hmm. than that person because they're ignorant. They don't know. Mm-hmm. And we don't always have access to the big full heart that can remember yeah, that. Of course. But 
I think for me, it's like a practice. I, I try to be inclusive. I, 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 I'm like being big so that you can be big. I'm not being big so that, and I, people start to feel that and they start to trust that. And people will come and dance with me because they know I'm not pulling a game on them. You know, yeah. I'm not doing, hey, you know, I'm going to look at you so you'll look at me. Right. I'm not yeah. doing that. And recently I had, this is an interesting I'd heard a little background about somebody who comes to the dance who's awkward. I think I've had a lot of experience with uh, Asperger people. Uh-huh. So my guess is he's on the spectrum and he okay. doesn't quite have as much um, social experience and capacity as a lot of us. And I had already not really had a bad experience with him, but um, uh, heard some bad experiences and tried to sort of talk to some people. And um, so I had already a bit of a story in my head, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, at a dance, this was recently, and I was dancing with one woman and then this other woman and adding touch and sort of, in a way, I wouldn't call it teaching, but inviting them into a new way of connecting as a trio and with touch and Mm. it was happening and Mm -hmm. it was working and I was enjoying it but also like kind of aware of holding the space for that to happen so it was a precious kind of container and this guy like what you're talking about he comes bouncing right up all full of energy like right into this circle or right at the edge of it right across from me and in that moment, I was like, whoa, no. I put my hands up to block him. I saw him and was like, and I wasn't, I, I was aware that, well, stuff happened pretty fast. I was like, oh, I, you know, how fast, oh, this is a precious circle. And I thought, I'm looking forward to an opportunity of dancing with this guy. Uh-huh. But this isn't the moment because there's something else going on here that uh-huh. I don't want to break up in because and I think if he comes in it'll just shatter the whole thing. So uh-huh. I put my hands up like not now, but he was like and I put him up again and then he kind of, you know, made a face and went back and I was also aware of what was happening in the circle with these mm. women watching me make a boundary mm. and then he kind of came far away and I already was feeling like whoa that was kind of like using dynamite to blow your nose it was like way too much but (laughs) (laughs) but it worked but now you know poor guy's probably sensitive and he's having it you know reaction he comes in close again over on the side and i was like i made like a little heart on my chest and said right there's okay you know right there if you want to but by then he was and off he went and I finished with these people that I was dancing with, but I held on, you know, I was still like, ah, that was dirty and messy and I don't really like that. And, but I also knew going right to him was not going to work. Like, I didn't want to do that. I've heard stories where people tried it and he just mm-hmm. blows up because he's... But about three, two, three dances later, I was dancing around and there he was on the mat and there I was. And I had already, like processed the whole thing Mm -hmm. and realized I wanted to come in with an apology because I really did, you know, blast a bunch of energy in his direction that was way more than was probably needed and, Mm -hmm. you know, was poor communication on my part. Effective, but way over, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and I also had known from people when they tried to talk to him, he just blew them off. He, you know, he he isn't going to listen. So I saw him and I realized I really needed to get his consent. So I came in really soft and I said, and he made eye contact and he was like, no, I could feel him like, no, right away. And I just stayed soft and I said, I really want to apologize. Can I apologize to you? Mm. And he was like, huh? 
I said, can I apologize? I really want to. He's like, okay. And I sat down and we had this beautiful conversation mm. where I owned all of it, named it all out for him. And he was able to say, I don't think I was actually going to come in, but I, I don't know why I was drawn to you. And, you know, and I was like, I did think you were going to come in. And, and it was like, I felt like, you know, we had this amazing Wow. Amazing bond. I see your eyes well. You know, that <laughs> kind of thing is like, oh, I did a good one there, you know? Like, not me, right. but just like, this is possible to do repair work. Right. Also. Right. Right. I love that. So, like, even when things happen, it is possible to go back in. Yeah. And repair those places where we may have overstepped and heal yeah. those. Because Lord knows we have them all. Like if anybody listening out there thinks they're the victim and the victim only and they've never <sighs> done the other side. You're fooling yourself. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And um, that's that's great. And also, if you feel like you were in, in the victim position, knowing that it's repairable, you know, I think there is a way to, I hate to say make it right, but gather the what you can from it yeah right and learn and, and grow yeah and it may not be with that particular person sometimes you learn the lesson somewhere else because right. your heart is softened but i think right softening the heart but but that means mm-hmm. taking ourselves in it's it's not just making them wrong and we're a victim mm-hmm. you know it's like oh it hurt and what did i really want and how mm-hmm. you know there's this part that just kind of I know I had this with, you know, when I first realized the first healing with kind of my mother was like, you know, it's a kind of a story about an anger workshop and me saying, I give you back your shame and like throwing energy back into an imaginary family setting at my mother, you know, to work this through. And honestly, I had heard the preaching you need to forgive, you need to forgive, you need to forgive, right? And yeah. I didn't. I was like, yes, I should forgive, I should forgive. But when I did that, as soon as I kind of like, you know, I didn't really deserve this, take it back, and I actually felt my anger, partly. It was, it's hard, it's a little complicated, but I was like, ah! And I felt all that, and then I immediately felt compassion for her. I was like, oh my God, how could she possibly have treated me that way if she wasn't in as much or more pain herself? It just was, right. it came with the process. Right. So I think there's, to self, to other, anytime we soften and go, wow, that's got to be painful. This is painful. That must be painful. Mm. Then we soften and we like, now we're, we're humanity. You know, we're a connected yeah. humanity. And we're all wounded and we're all glorious at times and we, we have all of yeah. that right yeah wow something you just said just like unlocked some shit that I've like I have never fully I don't think I've ever fully seen it this way I mean do you mind if we go down the road of <laughs> Let's go. so there was a time when I gosh when was that I want to say four or five years ago I guess it was five years ago where I was dancing in a band, performing, um, you know, there's a really fun band on stage, we're dancing, and I come off stage and, you know, I'm mingling with the crowd, at some point I go into the dressing room, nobody's left in the dressing room, it's just me, I change my clothes, And then in walks this man who I had known for many, many years before. And he had already, like, displayed sort of 
behavior that gave me pause, you know, towards my child and, and towards your child. Yes. Okay. Like, so maybe, already, like yeah. And so I had already me. sort of cut him out of my friend circle. Mm-mm. You know, we weren't intimate friends anymore, but in a, like a long time ago, we had like hung out like, you know, 10 years before. And he forced himself on me. Like he pinned me down. He was clearly very messed up. Um, and luckily, like he was a small man and he, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this. <laughs> he was, he was small in stature. <laughs> he was small in stature. And so I was, you know, and I'm a rather tall, hardy woman. And so I was able to sort of Taekwondo, <laughs> you know how, you know, mm. I, and I remember laughing about it in the moment because I didn't, because there's that fear of um, making them angry. Right. So, so I, I did also didn't want to like make him feel rejected in the moment. Oh my God, God forbid, you know, he get violent with me. Right. I could tell he was really messed up. And so I just like maneuvered, squeezed out from under him, pushed him off of me and got out of there. Um, but the, the, the hardest part about that, I think like I told one of my bandmates and then she, or one of the other dancers, and then she ins- kind of insisted that I tell the band, you know, like, Hey, this guy, we got to watch out for this guy brought up all these alerts about, we need better security, that kind of thing. And then it was like the, the situation itself was a little, obviously a little traumatizing. I'm, you know, I'm a little more nervous when I get off stage, um, that kind of thing. But, and it was just like one in many Mm. instances of, you know, I was having fun that night. I was on, right? And then the minute I get off stage, this, someone tries to force himself on me, Yeah, you know, and that was like the least harmful experience I've ever, I mean, it wasn't even that, but it was the most recent. Yeah. The hardest part about that was then all the f- outfall that came after telling everybody. Some one person didn't believe me, um, you know. And then I just ended up quitting the band, Ugh. and then I just ended up kind of quitting that community because I'd see him around, and I, you know, I stopped dancing. You know, it's just like all these things kind of fell out of that, and I felt excommunicated. Right. And I think that was the hardest thing, and and only now am I really like fully healing from that and inviting community back in my space and inviting this back. And what you said just made me realize I excommunicated myself because I felt guilty that I had somehow inserted something in the group that was gonna, you know, that, that ripped the band apart that I, you know, like I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to ruin the man's. Life. I mean, like how absurd, right? But like I felt, I've never fully, like allowed myself. To feel I didn't it. want to be the victim. You didn't feel it really all the way either. It yeah. sounds like you you just kind of like got out of it. You had a yep. good strategy. Then told someone. They said, "Good girl. Now we got to tell everybody." You never yeah. did. You did you have anybody hold you and cry and let the terror out of your body? Because it was there, even though you kind of. Aikido did. Right. Right? You kind of like, you had enough strength and enough, you know, social training to know how to go, this guy, if he really gets mad, he's going to be really dangerous, so I'm going to do this. Look, I got clean. Okay, done. Over. Yeah. And yet that was really a scary 
terrifying, undeserved, you know, like undeserved is not even emotion, but it's like, whoa, you know, like you felt pretty helpless, I'm imagining. Yeah, and I kept asking myself, I felt guilty, like, oh, this keeps happening to me. So I am playing a a part in the process of creation of this pattern. Right. So therefore, it is partially my fault. I mean, I'm not so blinded that I don't see that I was a victim in that situation. Right. But I also, there's this a little bit of a problem in that right. like law of attraction you're the attractor of bad shit and if right. you take yourself out bad shit won't right. happen to everybody else you'll just be over here you know with my alone. bad shit alone there you go how's that feel how do you feel wow well I just feel do seen do you yeah finally yeah You know, and there's just been such a mixture of anger and also not wanting to point blame and spiritual bypassing. You know, I can sit on my lily pad in my house alone and be really happy and deluded. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And drink my wine and watch my Netflix and And grow bigger and bigger by the moment. (laughs) Right? Uh, Right? Numb out. Stuff my feelings down. Pretend. Yeah. And I've been, I've been busting out of that in the last few months just only recently and actually being in community right and you're trying your effort yeah I saw something in your face when you made that statement I did this I took myself out you know to yeah. protect them or whatever and you know because mm-hmm. I'm the problem to be alone it's like some recognition there of a truth yeah right an understanding, a recognition. And it, it almost feels like like there was no other way to deal with that situation. It felt, it feels, this is so strange, but it feels yeah. inevitable for yeah. me in some way. Like this momentum has is more than this lifetime. Well, I have a question for you. Sure. Can you forgive yourself for taking that route. Which one? What you did. You Leaving took yourself out, you left, and you just said it seems like it's the only that's the only way you have known or seen possible as an avenue. Can you forgive yourself for taking the route that was the only one that you knew? Wow. Well, what does it mean to forgive myself for that? Accept it, that you did your best. Yeah. And that, you know, it's like, oh, because where else is the anger? At them, at you? It's like, oh, okay. <sighs> I was actually taking care of myself the best way I know how. And that's the best thing you can do for yourself, right? Care for yourself. And so were they. And they were too. On some level, right? Yeah, like, they let they you do the doing, thing, the only thing that could be done, yeah. kind of. And and so, and then there's, you know, that's level one. It's like, oh, okay. This was, this was, this had to happen almost. This almost right. had to happen. There was no other way this could have happened. Yeah. So there's, like, there's no fault, no harm, no blame. Now what? What do I do mm. with this now with where I am now what if what, what, what can I 
What do I want based on this understanding? Yeah, and the question I feel floating over here, kind of like a dark shadow that mm-hmm. you don't want to look at, yeah. is like, what What does it, what have I had to let go of to move on? Mm-hmm. Because I have mm-hmm. recently really started to mm-hmm. blossom in a new way. Mm-hmm. But also like, what what's left to let go of? Like, what was I gaining? Right? There the you go. Benefits. That's exactly it. Right. What were you holding on to as... As, well, as you did this to me, right, right. and I'm excommunicated, right. and this Justification is, like, and this all is like a mythic, epic tale, and yes, I get to be the martyr that can yes. that shit on. <laughs> yes, mythology, uh, mythologize, yeah. mythologize myself. Yeah, yeah, and it's a story, but it's a, you know, it's a, wow, that's a way of getting uh, importance. Sure as hell is much easier to be big in people's minds mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. small in reality. Mm, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just another human being like everybody else. Oh, my God, oh, no, I'm not perfect. Oh, no. It's easy to be perfect in a post and you can edit it and, oh, yeah. and tweak it to make it sound right. Yeah, and just... then you show up in person and the shit you haven't dealt with tumbles out of your mouth. Right, and then you can just edit it out. (laughs) In fact, I'm going to challenge myself (laughs) to not edit. I think this has been an incredible conversation. I had no idea it was going to go here. And I'm going to challenge myself to not edit one thing out of it because I think it was all perfect and beautiful. And that means what I hear in that is a couple things is it's not easy for you because you have a very strong strategy of perfectionism Mm. all right that's how you stay safe is you stay perfect right it's also maybe how you lead and get Mm. people attracted to want you to to I never use that word perfection I don't think of myself as being a perfectionist but there's some well, amount of a leader, pers- let's persona you know, that I need. If it's, sure. It might be mature. I don't know what word it is, but it, but you used it, so I used it back. Oh, you, okay. Yeah, you, okay, you I didn't talked hear about it. Yeah. yeah, you'll hear it in there. Okay. You're perfect, Thank and then you, you can do it by texting, and then you can oh, like, yes. race out, and then boom, you're this little perfect muffin that suffers at home, but not in front of people. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's uh, so there's so there's a challenge there that I think you're is weakened this piece of you that thinks that she needs to never make a mistake in order to be a coach or a leader or a, a figure that people loved loved there you go the bottom line the, the only line um and i can say for myself and not having like worshipped you and put you on a pedestal for all of that <laughs> that I love you so much more for having shared this. Oh. I feel so much more connected to you and to your heart. I feel like, wow, I can really safely relate to you mm. now. Thank you, Harmony. Yeah, that's my personal takeaway from you sharing mm-hmm. what you just did. And Thank you. Yeah. was thinking of mentioning, if not just... So, on the 21st of September... Oh, right. The world's biggest eye contact experiment. It's World Peace Day. I'm hosting it at Lake Merritt. 
I put this big thing out. I did it two years ago. 200 people showed up. Oh, my strangers God. Strangers showed up to sit down and do eye gazing with other strangers. It was fucking awesome. That was you? That I was remember me. that. And, and and I didn't make it, but I wanted to. Well, it's, yeah, it's um, at noon at the Pergola, Lake Merritt. Uh, the pergola is at the Grand Lake Theater end of the lake. It's kind of a little structure and some concrete in front. From 12 to 2, there'll be signs that say, where has the human connection gone? Or where has human connection gone? Share one minute of eye contact to find out. So mm-hmm. arrive with your pillows and your mm, yoga mat or whatever to sit on the concrete. And I'll do an opening circle at the beginning and some kind of closing at the end. Uh, there is a Facebook event, World's Biggest Contact Experiment 2019, Oakland, California. It's being done all over the world in cities all over the I world see. on that day as well. That's amazing. Did yeah. you have to get special permission from the city to do that? No, I found the loophole. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just show up. Mm. Why well, feel complete? Thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> <This is> amazing. <laughs> You can find out more about Harmony by visiting her on her website, HarmonyGates.com. I'd like to thank my composer, Dan Cantrell, for all the music in these podcasts. And thank you for listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. My name is Holly Shaw.